0: You are listening to the Beyond Yoga Teacher Training Podcast. I am your host, Sandy Raper. On this podcast, I will share stories and invite conversations that will help you grow and support sustainability within your yoga practice, your pathway of service as a yoga teacher, and beyond. In today's episode, I have a conversation with Diane Malaspina. Diane is a psychologist and yoga teacher with over 15 years of experience in the health and wellness field. Diane is a yoga medicine, ERYT 500 instructor, and therapeutic specialist. Diane teaches meditation workshops, leads retreats, and offers 200 and 300-hour yoga teacher training programs in her community. Diane's area of expertise as an applied psychologist is within human development and resilience over the lifespan, particularly helping individuals cope with stress. Stress can be related to genetic and biological variables or environmental causes, and her goal is to create positive behavioral change through solid intervention techniques aimed at reducing stress and acquiring positive coping strategies. Listen in now to my conversation with Diane Malaspina. Hi, Diane. Welcome. I am so excited to have you uh, join me today for this episode, and I'm looking forward to our conversation. How are you? Hi, Sandy. Thank you for having me. I am
1: doing well, uh, staying busy and and kind of riding the waves of all of the different things that are coming at us.
0: So I am... um you know, excited for this conversation we're going to have and, and a topic that I think is, is very relevant uh, for anyone. Obviously, we're all going to encounter and deal with grief in, in varying forms. And um, I'm excited to hear your insight as to how We, um, how you and your profession and expanding out as yoga teachers can really support uh, individuals and really acknowledge for ourselves um, how we deal with grief. So we'll just kind of dive into that conversation. And I'm curious as to how you would even define grief.
1: Well, I think the important thing to think about is that loss and grief are fundamental to life.
0: Mm -hmm. And, and,
1: And humans are not the only ones that experience grief. Other animals experience grief as well. But um, if I were to define it, I would say it's a reaction to loss um, that includes physical and emotional and cognitive um, and behavioral and even spiritual manifestations. Mm -hmm. Um, It is a reaction that can occur from a loss of a relationship or giving up an aspect of life that we considered important. So it could be Uh, related to giving up on something that we thought we wanted in life. So a lot of folks can experience grief over things like infertility, um, as well as it can be related to what many of us are going through right now in terms of 2020 being a real shift in our lives due to COVID and living in a pandemic. And so that grief could also be related to what what once was. And so it's really uh, an experience of loss and how we react to that loss.
0: Right. Um, I I think that's one of the key things um, in recognizing it too. And I know for me personally, as always thinking it had to mean maybe just the death of someone or something in your life, but understanding that grief, you know, in the the way, like you've mentioned already, can be a variety of different things. And so do you think sometimes that when we are grieving or in a state of grieving, that It could show up or be disguised and we may not even recognize it right away. What are your thoughts about because that's I think a key part is that we need to recognize what state we're in and and what's going on in order to know how to, to, um, to approach it to be with it and all those things so so what are your thoughts on that as far as recognizing it and could it be disguised. Yeah,
1: I, I mean, I have a few thoughts on that. Um, the first thing I want to say is that many people live in a perpetual state of unacknowledged grief. Um, mm-hmm. One of the primary reasons is that we live in a contemporary culture that often shies away from more powerful emotions, um, the ones especially that grief presents to us. Mm-hmm. So we we many of us grew up in a way where we were taught to be more stoic or to push through loss without feeling, or to return to life, our daily life, as though nothing has happened. And so oftentimes we bury these deep feelings inside of us, and when they remain trapped, then they end up showing up, sometimes in the body, sometimes in the mind, Mm -hmm. sometimes both. And so um, it, it can happen that based on cultural expectations or cultural norms of displaying emotions that aren't always positive can sometimes perpetuate folks hiding or not bringing to awareness those very feelings and what we know is that um, through stress literature um, especially trauma is that these symptoms are going to eventually show up in the body and the physical symptoms that show up can be handled in a different way than emotional symptoms but talk therapy. And, and I, and I do want to say this, you know, as we get into our conversation, if anyone is listening to this and they're experiencing the depths of grief, I highly suggest getting help and getting support. Right. Um, but there's also a lot of support that can happen through more holistic practices because body centered approaches, help people release the physical manifestations of grief, which I'll, I'll share with you in a bit yeah. here. Um, and on top of that, In the literature, in the psychological literature, there's also a term called masked grief, Mm -hmm. which is when um, grief reactions have been hidden, but that actually impairs somebody's ability to function normally. And so they may have signs and symptoms related to stress, but they might not be connecting that to the experience of loss that they might be having. Mm -hmm. And so this can often be masked by either mm-hmm. physical symptoms or even maladaptive behaviors.
0: Right. Yeah. Um, I, I kind of shared with you before we started talking and, and actually it's a part of the uh, first episode of this podcast where I kind of share how I even, you know, came to the practice or how I stumbled <laughs> into the first yoga class. And and it was coming off a pretty significant um, loss of my mother in her death, um, and I was a very young mom at the time, and, but I had uh, been with her and been a caregiver and she had lived with um, MS for years. And so there were some things, and, and it's interesting, I had people at that time kind of say something like, did, you know, I, I guess I realized she wasn't gonna live forever, but I didn't realize you know, how, you know, until that happened, I didn't know what was gonna be the next steps. And I had some people that would say, you know, weren't you prepared? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, I kind of knew, but I didn't know. And then, you know, I stumbled into the yoga class and I found some things that were kind of subtle that helped me process some things. And what I realized, because I didn't think I needed grief counseling. And I thought I'm, I'm one of those independent only child types who, you know, was <laughs> because I had a mother who, you know, had some challenges with a disability. I took on a lot of responsibility early and that's just kind of my nature. So I was kind of like, I thought I was good to go. And then I also want to ask you your thoughts too, because my dad as well, he and I are both are trying to process through this experience together. And we had some clashes of the ability of, and part of it was an attachment to trying to keep things the same as they had been. And she was no longer here. So I know that's probably real broad and, and things, but I'm thinking of that in a collective manner of thinking about not only individuals grieving, but, you know, what are your thoughts around kind of um, either it's communities or think about a more than one person together trying to move through that have experienced this loss. Mm-hmm. So what are your thoughts in regards to... To how we kind of do that together.
1: Yeah. I mean, I I think that, you know, together in some ways can be better. Um, Mm -hmm. It it depends on each, what each person's sort of bringing to the table. So it depends on each person's functioning and then how their functioning interacts with one another. So Mm -hmm. in general, when we, when, when things have gotten beyond our ability to handle them in ourselves, ourselves is when there's a disruption in functioning. So that could be physical functioning, such as pain or an mm-hmm. injury that keeps us from doing something. It could be psychological functioning. It can be social functioning, mm-hmm. meaning that our relationships are disrupted or mm-hmm. that we're unable to find the motivation to get out there and connect with other people. So that's a sign that, that there is a mental health concern. Mm-hmm. And this can turn up in a variety of ways, such as acting out, And having conflict with the people in our lives. Mm -hmm. So it it can be a tricky situation because if you have two people coming to the table that have disruptions in their functioning that they might need additional support you know outside of the network of their family then that can actually maybe create a little bit more of an unhealthy coping response. But the number one advice that any of us in the mental health field give to people is to seek out social support. We're always trying to tap into who are the natural supports in your life. So I, I look at a family dynamic like yours, where it was, you're an only child. And so it's you and your dad that are coping with the loss of your mom and in different ways, because he's dealing with coping the loss of a partner, right? And you're dealing, you know, with the cope of the coping with the loss of a parent which have different, you know, play out in different ways for different people. But the idea is that if you can come together and be there for each other, that really would be helpful. And then maybe seeking out additional help for any areas where any conflict or shutting down might be coming into.
0: Yeah. Right. Yeah. And and that's the, the kind of curious piece of part of my nature as well that I, I, you tried to go back to routine and kind of doing part of what I was already doing. And part of that was being at a gym. And so I saw these, this interesting (laughs) class taking place and it was a yoga class. So, you know, I, I, I entered in and found, and I did, it was kind of like this, just not seeking. It was just, I had the time to do something different. So I explored it and I did find, um, like you mentioned already, this ability, I was physically moving. I was very active and and I was healthy, so to speak. Although on another topic of conversation, I ended up with shingles at that time, a very mild case. So there was a lot of things going on, but I did find, you know, as I maneuvered through the yoga practice and the physicality, and then in shavasana moments of just just tears streaming down. And I, and I felt and felt it as a release and felt it as a space for me to, to move through that. So in regards to, let's talk about yoga and, um, you know, the kind of the application of yoga. And, um, you know, I didn't go out seeking, like, I need grief support. Let me go to a yoga class. I didn't even know what yoga was. And um, like I said, I just curiously stumbled into it. So what are your thoughts and your experience? Because you're a yoga teacher as well in all the other work that you do. Um, how do you um, support, like, how does yoga support this application of us kind of, I don't want to say dealing with grief, but as we are encountering grief and understanding it better, how does it support?
1: Well, first I want to say, I think it's really, really wonderful that your intuition led you to yoga <laughs> versus, versus maybe something else. I mean, yeah. that you you, when you, when we're going through grief, you, you were mentioning like getting back to life, right? And so, so first I want to say is that that's part of the process of grief is that we have these more loss oriented responses, which is the actual bereavement exercises, which mm-hmm. is the, the emotions and, and the tasks that have to be done in order to um, put that person to rest, you know, right. whether that be organizing a funeral or getting in touch with family members, all of those different things, which are not part of your daily life, right? Right. When you lose someone. And then there's this other aspect of grief, coping with grief, that's called the restoration oriented activities, or basically it's like, what can I do to get back into living so Mm -hmm. that my life isn't focused on the loss of the person who has died? So if, if it is grief, especially over the loss of a loved one, So the thing about yoga, which makes it such a special opportunity to work through some of the physical manifestations of grief, is that grief initiates the stress response. Nothing is more stressful. And that concept of of people coming to you and saying, well, weren't you prepared? I would say even hospice (laughs) workers would say to you, there really is no preparation for the stress and the trauma that grief can bring into your life and that loss can bring into your life. So Mm -hmm. Um, of course, there's different types of grief depending on, on what you're grieving and how the event happened. I mean, there's a different type of grief for encountering a loved one who you're watching go through a process of decline versus that sudden nature of, right. of maybe you know, dying from an accident. right? Mm-hmm. So, but either way, grief initiates the stress response. And so we can use the yoga practices to bring both the body and the mind into balance. So when we look at the practices of breathing and relaxation or even visualization and meditation or stretching areas of the body that are tense, and you and I, we also work with myofascial release. Mm -hmm. So actually using massage techniques to release areas of tension in the body, what happens is that this concept of of the body storing these emotions, it opens up the pathway for the body to release these different emotions that holding on to. And even, I would even say taking it to another step is that if you can find someone that is teaching in a trauma sensitive or trauma informed style, um, those practices can be supportive as well because the, the challenge of being still and quiet in a more restorative class um, in a trauma informed class, there's, ge- there's generally a sense of movement with breath. Mm-hmm. And so we see that that helps not only with focusing the mind and taking the mind off of maybe the emotions in the moment, but it also has a physiological benefit of calming the nervous system through that gentle movement and linking that movement with the breath. And then on top of all of this, we see. A general posturing of the body that's common with grief. And right now, as, as scientists and as psychologists, we're not really sure if a body posture relates to a mental state or if a mental state relates to a body posture. Hmm. But we know that they go hand in <laughs> hand. And right. the body posturing that's common with grief is a sunken chest, a forward head carriage, rounding of up the upper and lower back. So we can also use the postures that are therapeutic to these areas of the body to counter those posture imbalances and help the person to feel better in their body and ultimately in their mind. Right. So it's, it's, a, it's a wonderful act of releasing stress and a beautiful act of self-care.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. So I'm thinking about, um, you know, you mentioned very beneficial for us as yoga teachers to to educate and to explore the the mental health component of you know how we can engage with people and support them and understand trauma um, better. But I'm thinking about these class settings that may have individuals coming in like me that showed up that day um, and. And we have people obviously coming in and out of our classes that we don't know what's going on in their lives. And we might can see something, but we may not see all some signs. You know, how might um, yoga teachers, how could they specifically support individuals? Think about it and just kind of a general setting of all these collective different people showing up. What might be some just overall ways that we could support, whether we know we're, we're really supporting someone through a grieving process or not. We may not know that. Yeah.
1: I mean, when you think about group
0: classes, um, as a teacher, we don't really know
1: um, what's going on in the lives of our students. And so knowing that that's happening every time we teach a yoga class, right? (laughs) likely there's the likelihood that there are people showing up yes grief, because grief is a life experience exactly. that happens several times to all of us yes. right yes and so it's really i think about cultivating a mindset as a teacher and that when you're stepping into that role of a teacher that you're coming in with the mindset of being of service by providing support and empathy to everyone, right? And, um, That's good. And, and not only in the presence of as you stand in front of the te- of in front of the students, but as the teacher and, and students approaching you before class and after class, or now you know, let's say you're doing it on the computer, and before you log off, somebody's you know hanging around for mm. a few minutes. It's, it's being able to tap into empathetic listening, and, mm. and I feel like these are part of our spiritual practice as yoga teachers as well, is really right. becoming a listener versus mm. always somebody who's delivering. Right? Right. And so giving our community undivided attention, um, being aware of maybe mm. some nonverbal cues such as body posture, or if you see some tears rolling mm. down someone's face, Um, If you're teaching in present and, you know, live in front of people, I mean, for me, when I was teaching um, in a studio setting, there's always a box of tissues. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't call attention to someone who's experiencing emotions in a class, but I might walk over and place a tissue next to their yoga mat. And then I personally, as a teacher, always leave time before class and after class not a ton of time, but enough time to let people come and, and debrief any experience that they may need to, right. um, allowing for silence, being able to be comfortable with quiet, being able to be comfortable with your own emotions mm-hmm. as a yoga teacher so that you can be comfortable holding space for other people's emotions right. and really tapping into that sense of non-judgment It's about having our own practices that help us to be centered. And then I think the other thing that makes yoga such a beautiful place to share with others is that as teachers, as appropriate, we can share our own experiences of grief and how this story that you're sharing with me, Sandy, about how you found yoga, which is now a very important part of your life Mm -hmm. um, through a grief process. And so it's important that we share who we are as well, um, mm-hmm. and that other people can connect because, like I said, grief is something that's a human or just a life experience. Right. Um, and then I would also encourage folks, you know, um, as we show up in our full selves as teachers, I would also, you know, encourage connection with, um, you know, somebody who is a mental health professional, talking with family members, um, giving people having. A reference list of resources of people that you can recommend if you see that someone might need additional support. Right. And um, one thing that I do, and I, I'm not teaching really too many group classes, but I'm teaching lots of teacher trainings and I have a lot of students in front of me. And when I notice that someone might just on the screen might not look as though they're doing well, whether it's grief or or they're going through you know a tough time. I'll usually send an email just mm-hmm. to let them know I'm thinking of them and if they want to, you know, meet up for a Zoom tea or if they, you know, want to chat on the phone. So right. I think that, you know, as teachers, it's in, in any community, whether you're teaching school or whether you're teaching yoga, it, it's not that you just show up in front of people for that hour <laughs> and then go back to your life. When we step
0: into the role of a teacher, we're just stepping into a community role of support. Exactly, exactly. And that's such great advice. And I think sometimes um, for those aspiring or feeling a calling to teach or, you know, go into a teacher training and you and I both lead those kind of 200 hours. And it's, I can't say enough, you know, it's just the beginning. And it's like, it sounds like it's a lot of time, but it's hardly time for us to really, you know, we're equipping them with some tools, but that piece of holding space for someone and the piece of your planning for that experience you're trying to facilitate needs to be booked in, you know, with the ability for you to just to be there and if it's needed and to recognize and to see, you know, who's showing up, not just to be, that's where our work as, um, kind of understanding how we learn, And how we're able to, to, uh, you know, deliver an effective and skillful class, but not be caught up in our head about that piece that we miss seeing the people that are showing up. And like you said, I love that, you know, you reach out, you may see someone, and I can remember, I I can remember now us talking about this, I can see myself in a class setting. And I I see this individual, this student coming in, who was someone that had practiced with me for a long time, but there was a season where I didn't see her for a while. And somehow in social media, I saw that she had, she had, her dad had passed. Mm -hmm. And so I knew that was going on. And so some time had passed since I saw that. But one day I had already started the class and the door opened, and this was a little kind of eclectic space, but the door opened and there she stood. And all I did was I went towards her, brought her in, let her get on her mat. And after the end, I remember we embraced and um, she just, uh, you know, I was just able to hold some space to let her, you know, I didn't need her to talk to me about it if she wanted to. And I offered that, that if she wanted to, I was there and, um, you know, just letting them know that they have someone. But sometimes I think for new teachers and, and, you know, sometimes they may not, uh, and some of it's, you know, how do you become equipped <laughs> for that? And it's just kind of being in the process and and being intentional that that's the type of teacher you know, and, and person, you know, like you said, right? you're teaching something all the time, how you're moving around and interacting with people, you know, whether you're in an organized setting or not, but, you know, how are you going to, what kind of person are you going to be going into that and how important that is? But I think sometimes teachers and new teachers can get overwhelmed that they get caught up in and it's important to, to move three people through their body skillfully and to know your sequencing. But, you know, you do that on the back end and be ready for the real time, you know, experience. And so that's great advice. Um, is there anything else like from that? You know, you, there's so much, mm-hmm. but just thinking about us as teachers and facilitators, you know, of, of really even whether it's grief or whatever people are going through. Um, how we can support them better.
1: I, lo- I love your story you just shared too about, you know, it's not that we have to say anything. We don't have to do anything. I think it's just the capacity to be present. Mm. And I think that, you know, the, the one thing that I would say, if you, if you were to say something, I would say, I would validate the experience by saying, I am sorry that this is so difficult for you right, right. now. I am sorry that this has been so hard. And other than that, there's really nothing else that needs to be said. Um, and because what that does is that validates that that person can continue to express that emotion. And then other than that, it's learning how to be comfortable with quiet. And that's not easy, especially for mm-hmm. teachers, right? But but where we have you know this eight-limbed path and, and a lot of times when we're new at teaching, and like you said, I run 200 hour t- teacher trainings too. And so it's, it can be quite focused on the cueing and the mm-hmm. sequencing and, and, you know, the presence of walking around the room and things like that. But really the focus could be on your own meditation practice because mm-hmm. your own meditation practice is the teacher for how to deal with quiet in your own life right. and in other people's lives as, as well. And, usually you get more comfortable with other people's quiet first, before <laughs> you Get comfortable with your own quiet. Right. But, um, but the idea is that, and, and even as you know, a psychologist and, and I'm not a grief counselor, you know, that's, that's mm-hmm. not what I do, but even um, as a psychologist, part of the process is sort of going through your own experiences and your own emotional and mental landscape. And using the tools, in this case, we'll use the yoga tools, right? So mm-hmm. the yoga tools of meditation, the yoga tools of concentration, um, the yoga tools of, um, you know, non-attachment, meaning that as a teacher, I'm not attached to everybody always leaving my class with a big smile on their face. <laughs> right. that, 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 that I may walk into any array of reactions in a given yoga class mm-hmm. and that um, I don't have to judge myself as a teacher
0: in what happens based on, you know, that 60 minutes. Right, right. So. Yeah, that's good. Um, you know, uh, we've talked kind of about, and obviously me, sharing in a couple of stories of, of. The physical death of losing someone, and and you talked in the beginning, you you know, of us, and that's for me, I guess, where I really want the listeners to understand all these facets of of grief, and you know, whether it's relationship or a way we thought something, you know, should be, and I think it comes into that attachment sometimes we have to permanence, and and that's what I went through too, trying to keep something the same when things are always in flux and changing, but you know, some attachments to things and us dealing with COVID and us trying to deal with, you know, um, whatever it may be. And, and ironically, I had a conversation just recently with a a fellow teacher, and she's got a lot of uh, some very challenging things going on with her and her her family and some other areas, uh, you know, around her beyond her, her teaching. And, but she's in one certain way uh, of teaching, and she's, kind of contemplating, expanding into like more workshops or things beyond just what she's always done. But she's been doing what she does and she's fabulous at what she does. But um, I even felt myself in talking with her of feeling like, you know, Explore, you may be in a, a, a grieving state here of you're just not, you know, you're doing what you've always done but you're feeling, you're not feeling motivated anymore to really do it. And she, you know, shared some of that and she was seeking out, you know, us to have a conversation about expanding. She, she's very educated and and understands the practice to offer it some things to some people in an expanded way, but she's just not quite sure how she's going to do that. And so she's kind of feeling stuck. And so that to me, I'm kind of leading all that into this idea of sometimes, and I felt myself telling her this, sometimes we just got to be with, like what's going on, instead of move and get through it. And I think sometimes we start to feel a little bit, and this has happened to me on a and I don't even want to call it a lesser scale than my mother's passing, but I had a situation of a relationship that had changed and I I just couldn't put my finger on what was going on. Why was I having these feelings of, I wasn't feeling motivated. I was feeling sad and I was feeling some depressed type thing. And I thought like, and there was nothing I could think of, like what's going on. And it finally dawned on me. I think I'm grieving Um, something that I, that what was, now was not. And like, h- I had to be with that. So that's where I'm getting through to It's like this whole idea of like, what do you think about this idea of sometimes people think we got to just move through it quickly. If that even yeah, makes I call, sense. I call it feeling the feelings, right? <laughs> yeah.
1: like, I mean, because, because that's the thing. And I think that again, I think in our contemporary times, like there's so many distractions, right? There's so mm-hmm. many things that we can take on. I mean, now in this day and age, like you and I, I mean, we're training junkies. We can just train and train and train. And, train and now everything's online and, you know, and it just becomes this like hamster wheel, right? right. What's one more thing I can do? And I think that that is where we're at right now is that we try to distract ourselves, right? And so I, I don't know where this came from that it was like feelings got a bad rap right? Somewhere along the way in, in our culture and in, in the culture of the world, right? The feeling's mm-hmm. not a bad rap. And so we're just going to push through and we're going to work really hard. And we're going to distract ourselves by either doing or looking at a screen or, you know, some of the many other ways that people will numb out mm. of, of being able to be present with what's happening. But the problem that happens is, is that the more that we distract ourselves from the actual presence of the experience, especially when we're looking at something as intense as grief on the entire system, our entire system, Mm -hmm. our body, our mind, our spirit, is that it's just gonna continue to persist and it's just gonna continue to creep up and show up in different ways. And so, um, you know, even going back to the example of like, oh, well then I got shingles, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) And all of it, like that's a manifestation of stress, right? right? Your immune system, is not in its, its best form um, when we take on a virus like that. Mm-hmm. And so um, can we move through grief um, the idea is that we need to step back a moment and better understand what grief is. Grief is a hardwired response, mm. it is something that is in our nature. It is something, again, that other animal forms demonstrate when they lose a significant other in their lives. Mm. Or, um, you know, you think about, I think about, I got a puppy this year. And when we, and it was wonderful because the breeder was like, the, the puppy might go through a grief process of the transition from taking this puppy from her litter and, mm. you know, her mom right. and coming into your home. And so the thing is, is that grief is hardwired in us as, at least as we know, as mammals, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe even beyond, I'm sure there are, are studies of other life forces that exhibit a sense of loss. Mm-hmm. And so- with that, um, it doesn't end. Um, it is an oscillation of thoughts and emotions and symptoms and behaviors. And so, I think that the better way to think about it is that it's important to feel the feelings, and the more that we can. And this is this comes from you know the Eastern philosophies, Buddhism, and as well as tantric philosophy, mm-hmm. is that in order to liberate ourselves from the intensity of suffering we need to experience and actually digest. And it's like this churning, uh, it's described as churning in the Mm. philosophy. Um, It's like this, it's like this mulling of it over of it in the mind. It's this feeling the feelings of where do I feel it in my body? And oh, I feel sick to my stomach, or I feel like I can't breathe. And being able to be present with that And then being able to find tools for helping it to move and understanding that it's not going to go away, you know, and you might attest to this. My husband lost his mother. We're going on the four year anniversary. Is the intensity of the loss the same as it was two months after she passed away? No, but are there moments that inspire deep sobbing with him in him? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes. I mean, it still will pop up out of nowhere. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it it may not happen daily like it did for a while, but it it sometimes can pop up. And really what I think the message that I want to put out there is that grief is the price we pay for love. Mm. It means that we love. So we don't get over it. We don't need to plow through it. We just our 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 work is to transform our relationship to it. Mm. Yeah, and that's so good. The good. other thing that is important to think about is that we identify ourselves through the persons and the things that we're attached to. Mm. Like that's part of our <laughs> identity. Like I am a daughter, right? Right. Yeah. You know, something like that, and so you're still somebody's daughter you're still your mother's daughter you know and 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 those that's still happening it's just that the relationship has shifted yeah and so when we lose that that person or that idea of how things we were really attached to how they could be
0: mm-hmm. we lose
1: a part of who we are yeah but it also can create the space to develop a part of ourselves
0: mm. in a different way. Nice. Well, yeah, and expand about that too. And so maybe some, we've talked a little bit about obviously some techniques and, and possibly seeking out, obviously is a great one. Um, I, I did not do that. <laughs> seek out someone, um, but seek out, you know, help, support. Um, I think I was doing some of that in a little interesting, different way. But, um, and we can think about, you know, techniques as far as the yoga practice, but there may be some others that, you know, just could really be something that the listener that could incorporate, like, you know, if they're listening right now, like you said, it's a natural part of what's going on in some shape or form. And that's what I realized recently with that whole shift of a relationship of like, I think I'm grieving this. Um, And it kind of caught me off guard because I guess I thought grief had to be this big, you know, (laughs) death of actually someone. But it was a certain, you know, situation. So let's talk a little bit about techniques you've mentioned, obviously, getting used to stillness and meditation is, is you know, a, a huge, uh, I think sometimes people get uh, a little fearful, maybe of it, because they just don't know what it is, or maybe they complicate it, you know, as opposed to really the simplicity of what we can start with, you know, a start point, but, and share about, you know, some of those things of what could be something if someone right now, you know, listening could incorporate right away and create some consistency with that will help support them through that. I'll I'll say too quickly that I can look back and you mentioned about your husband and uh, my mom passed 18 years ago and there's still moments where whatever it is, you know, strikes me. And I love that you brought up. I sit now in the space of gratitude for the impact of who she was in my life that evokes that to come up after she's, you know, passed um, 18 years ago. And I know the things that she just impacted my life in that short amount of time I had with her are things that I carry now with me. She, she is a part of, you know, who I am now. But it's interesting because, you know, you hear that time heals all wounds. And I'm like, well, I don't know, it might make it a little better. <laughs> I don't know. But it's still the, those moments can be raw and intense. And, I, you know, and I, I choose to be in them, you know, I choose to, to weep, I, you know, choose and, and then early on, what I got to a point in, is I chose, I evaluated kind of how I was being in support to. I was a young mother. I had two young children. I had a two-year-old and a four-year-old. And I had a husband, you know, and I I just evaluated the kind of person I felt I was. And like, what did I desire to, to you know, to move with, to develop for them the support? You know, I allowed myself to be in the space, but then I had to, I made a conscious choice of like, Okay, I'm gonna, you know, be with my dad just for who he is, and he's going through things and I'm gonna have to let him process through that and us to be together in the way we can. But, um, you know, I'm thankful for, you know, the yoga practice that showed up. Uh, some of the unknowns I was in, and I didn't really know, you know, but I was just getting into the practice. But what are some other techniques, uh, maybe something that's, uh, it may seem simple, but yet quite profound that someone could incorporate? I mean, I love
1: breath. I love pranayama. I, I think too, when we think of, um, and this, this too comes a little bit from, um, you know, like Chinese medicine or something, but when we think of like grief and we, we think of the impact it has on our breathing, a lot of times there's a, like a, a gasping or a sighing or the weeping. Right. And those are all manif- different manifestations of our breath. Okay. Mm. And in it, crying actually is very soothing to the nervous system when you, and if you think about when you've had like a really good cry and then usually you fall asleep after, right? right? So it, it kind of taps into the nervous system. And, and after you've gotten that energy out from the cry, it helps you rest. So breathing can be a really effective way um, to work with grief. And then I think it's just going to depend on what's coming up. So if it is a sense of needing to calm yourself, I would go with the breathing practices such as lengthening the exhale or even just breath awareness in general, like to, to try to quiet things and calm things. If you're finding that you're, you know, having a hard time getting out of bed and having a hard time motivating, I might recommend alternate nostril breath, or even something like breath of fire, kapalabhati breath to energize and, Mm. and to bring a sense of liveliness to you. So, right you know, in terms of like a prescription of exactly what, I think it depends on the moment and what right. is happening. Um, but I, I would say in general, when thinking about yoga specific practices is that what is the most prevalent thing that needs to be addressed? So if the body is aching, maybe a little bit of gentle asana in order mm-hmm. to relieve that physical tension. Um, if the mind and the stress level seems overwhelming, I would go to the breath. Mm. Um, if being quiet and breathing is, is too challenging, then I might go into a movement practice. Right. So I I would really be present with what, you know, is happening um, because I would use the practice to help manage the symptoms of grief really, Mm -hmm. and and the symptoms of chronic stress and then any self-care practice, right? So working with adequate sleep, Um, eating, Mm -hmm. nurturing foods, um, anything that helps ease that difficulty of of going through it. It's not easy, you know, so most of us, our sleep is interrupted when Mm -hmm. we're going through the grief process. Well, maybe trying to tap into a yoga nidra practice during the day, even though you might not sleep, but getting 20 minutes of a body scan or a guided relaxation could be so nurturing Mm
0: -hmm. for your
1: nervous system.
0: Right. There's
1: several ideas. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And I I guess too, you know, really understanding and holding space that it can reoccur, you know, and that's kind of like, you know, that going back to that, you know, kind of moving through it. But then this idea, I mean, do you really feel kind of like that we all, when we experience and I don't want to kind (laughs) of hierarchy grief experiences, but profound, do you feel like we, there is a part, I guess, that we carry it with us? and we have that experience. Sure. sure we do,
1: because when you share with me about losing your mom, like I feel a flutter in my heart, you know, mm-hmm. like because I have had my own experiences of loss. And right. so, so, yeah, I, I think that um, if anything, the gift of any of the struggle in our life, in particular grief, is that it just taps us into who we are as humans more deeply, which to me then helps tap us into being a teacher who is more present, um, you know, to those different things. But I think that, you know, overall, when we're looking at grief and, and, you know, mentioning this concept of a hierarchy, I would say more of a continuum. And Mm -hmm. and I think that if we look at it on a continuum and that it waxes and wanes, I think that there are going to be some experiences that are going to be, just deeper experiences of grief, Mm -hmm. like a close family member or a partner or something Mm -hmm. like that. And then, you know, but, but then there's experiences of grief. Like when I think of um, several years back, um, I lost somebody that I wasn't, that wasn't currently in my life, but that had been a friend of mine in high school, you know, Mm -hmm. many years ago. And I went through like a two week grieving process. It wasn't nearly as intense as, as losing um, you know, a dear loved one, mm-hmm. but it was still a process that I felt like this sort of like haze in mm-hmm. my life mm-hmm. as I was remembering and, and, and going through different motions of sadness because she was young, mm-hmm. you know, to, to right. lose her life at the time, you know, we were in our um, 30s. And, mm-hmm. and so it was one of those things where it also tapped into that experience of like, wow, nothing really is permanent. Right. You know, I mean to, to lose a peer at a right. young age.
0: Yeah.
1: And so yeah, I, I I think that there is there are lesser forms of grief that can be chronic and that can hang over you um and car- you can carry around with you and it can feel like a fog. And then there's those real heart-wrenching experiences. And the thing about it is is, is I will say, and this I can say this is from my psychologist background, but each person we can't from the outside necessarily judge or have an opinion about what should or shouldn't be. Right. So if we're looking at someone else and thinking, Oh, you should be over that by now or, you know, Mm -hmm. if that's, and we're all human, like it's right. You know, we're, we're designed to judge, right. That's part of our, our way. (laughs) But, but the, the practice then becomes like taking a step back and looking at that. And, and really, I mean, I, I say this about a lot of things, but grief is in the eye of the beholder. Mm-hmm. You know, and so uh, all I can do is again, come back to that place of offering a sense of compassion yes, and maybe some space and, and wishing them peace.
0: Yeah, I know. One of the key things I learned through that experience of my mom's death was to, I had some people at that time that would say, oh, I know how you feel, Uh whatever. And it really, that I had this kind of, it just like it struck a raw nerve. And I thought, no, you don't. (laughs) I mean, I was a little like, you don't know how I feel. So I learned from that, that I don't, I don't ever tell anyone that because their experience is there and I, theirs. And I don't know that, like, I don't know that like they know it. So I'm not going to, I've been through, an, but I'm not going to tell them I know how you feel. And, and then I can kind of, you know, relate of being, you know, in a space of having my own experience. And then the other thing that I love and I, I want to highlight again is you, you mentioned uh, that, you know, the grief being this profound place um, that we had an experience of, you know, love or whatever it was for that. And that's when I get sad and I have the moments that come up again. And I, you know, that was a pivotal year for me. I turned 30 that year and other things. And to me, it was a short amount of time. I, I, I see friends that have relationships with their mother now, you know, at our age. I don't know what that is. And I'm, instead of getting woe is me or, you know, trying to really let myself sink down into feeling a loss of that, I always go back to you. I may not have had her here for that long, but the the profoundness of what the impact of her in my life was, I'm forever grateful and hold that space that she and that relationship would impact me so deeply that now 18 years later, it still can rise up and I can. it can be just random things. And I just kind of sit with it and just go back to that piece of like, you know what, better to have had that than to have never experienced that before. And, you know, as hard as it's been or was and continues at times to be, I'm just, you know, I just, for me, the benefit part was to shift into the space of gratitude for what I had. And, um, and that I still carry all that which she still comes to mind and brings, you know, smiles to my face and thinking about her that there are things that are innately that I do that I'm like, you know, which I guess we take that on sometimes we are like, Oh, that's my mother or <laughs> like, things like that. But in a, you know, in a more joyful instead of being sad about it. And so I want to highlight that again is you know, to think about that, you know, this, this space within us deep.
1: Um, yeah. And connected. the other thing I would say is there's there's almost like a dual grief in, in that story because there's not just the grief of a loss of a mother, but there's the grief of a loss of a mother while you're learning how to be a mother. And so right. like you're saying these different milestones in life that the grandmother would have been there for your kids graduating from mm-hmm. high school or you know those, those different things. So there's also acknowledging that it's not just a one point in time that it's like you had to manage that loss at age 30, but there's other times that you're, you're looking around and, and looking at it. And I love right. the way that you have decided to shift your mindset around that into a practice of gratitude. But the other thing that I would put out there, Sandy, that I think is so beautiful is that that's your story mm-hmm. and your story of grief could absolutely be a story that someone might need to hear right when, if and when they lose a mother at age 30 right right and they're a young mom you know and so the the thing is is that your story has become a powerful lesson in healing um again that that to me is really what this yoga stuff is all about right um, right we can do triangle pose and, <laughs> and you know we can do all this stuff but but really it's about um that connection. Yes and that the lineage of of what we take from our time and what we pass on to others. Yes.
0: Absolutely. That's great. I'm glad you brought that in there and So um, good stuff, Diana. These start to be topics I have with people that like, we could talk about this (laughs) for a long time. So this is probably going to set us up for another episode uh, down the road. But I do want to let people know in the notes, I'm sharing how they can connect with you and find you. And um, but I I wanted you to give opportunity to share with the listeners, uh, you know, just what you're up to, what. Uh, you're out there offering that, you know, they may want to reach out and connect to you and be, you know, supported in what you have going on. So I want to give you time to share that.
1: Sure, oh gosh, I'm pretty busy.
0: Uh, (laughs) So in terms of of yoga, I'll just speak to yoga
1: versus the other stuff (laughs) that I have going on. But in terms of yoga, um, I've transitioned my teacher training programs to an online format. So I currently have a 300 hour training that is nice. now online. Um, it's a mixture of virtual and pre-recorded content. And then I also have an upcoming 200 hour foundational teacher training that's gonna go online in January. Um, and then I have some personal projects I'm working on and bringing yoga um, for mental health into both mm. clinical and workplace settings. So um, right now I'm, I'm actually working with a university and um, bringing yoga and mindfulness into their um, their medical university um, for nice. capacity and teaching their clinicians how to use mindfulness and yoga techniques um, with their patient population. Nice. Overall resilience. And then I'm also um, doing a lot of teacher mentorship and I'm also like on the brink of something, maybe I'll mention it here <laughs> maybe if I say it, it'll happen, but I'm <laughs> creating. A monthly well-being platform or membership where it is focused. Yes, we'll offer yoga and meditation and holistic practices, but it's really about connection and mental health. I feel like there's a space for people to come together online. Um, And so I think 2021 is going to be me launching some sort of something related to health and holistic
0: so nice well that's exciting <laughs> i'll be keeping my eyes uh open for that one that'll be great now you do i do want to mention this and you can correct me if i'm not right on this but you do have a um through the yoga medicine platform a yoga and grief um course correct Is yes still so that, out there um yep yeah, it's called
1: working with grief and it's a little bit of theory and a little bit of application so if you're interested in, um, you know, just understanding grief from a psychological perspective. I lecture on that for a bit. It's got PowerPoint presentation. Mm. <laughs> and then we get into a practice that I lead, um, something that I've worked with, with students for quite some time, um, nice. or so of a gentle practice related yeah. to living with grief. So yeah, that's on the yoga medicine online courses. And, uh, yeah, wow. I've also I got a few me. articles on grief as well, both okay. on the yoga medicine site and on my own website, if you're interested in learning more.
0: Okay, great. Well, Diane, it's been a pleasure. And um, like I said, we probably just the tip of the iceberg and, uh, but I appreciate you sharing your insight and holding space with me and, and having conversation. I've really enjoyed it and uh, have been looking forward to having this conversation with you. So thank you so much for joining me and I wish you the very best. Thank you, Sandy. It's just been such a pleasure to share with this community today. Take a moment now to rate and review the podcast. If you have enjoyed the Beyond Yoga Teacher Training podcast, then follow and then share this podcast with others. I look forward to sharing new episodes with you weekly. Thank you for joining me for today's episode. Until we meet again, remember to begin, to become, and to expand beyond.